Hey everybody, this is Sean. I'm the head of marketing at Humanoids, and welcome to another episode of Humanoids, our official podcast. We have none other than the creative team of Space Bastards. That includes writers Joe Aubrey, Eric Peterson, and legendary artist Derek Robertson. If you're not familiar, Space Bastards is a story about a dystopian, disgruntled, unemployed future where various people take on the role of parcel carriers to help deliver mail throughout the galaxy. Problem is, postal fees are steep and they go only to whomever ultimately fulfills the delivery, making every run a comically violent free-for-all between the most ruthless mercenaries in the cosmos. It's a lot of fun, it has laugh-out-loud moments of black humor, and with Derek at the helm, it is gritty and beautiful and kinetic as can be. So the first issue launched earlier this month, and the second one will launch on February 10th. And in addition, the crew just launched a Kickstarter for the second volume, with a slew of new artists, including Simon Bisley. So we have all three members of the original creative team right here, right now, ready to talk about this gloriously chaotic book. So stay tuned and listen for more about Space Bastards. So Joe and Eric, let's talk about Space Bastards a little bit because it sounds like this story is rooted in decades ago. It's been percolating. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's been with us for a long, long time. It's been with us for a long time. I mean, it started pretty innocent. Like I, I when I was in junior high, I would doodle in my notebooks a lot and stuff. And Davy Proton, I, we had the name Davy Proton back then, uh, but he was nothing like how he is in you know, in the comic book and today he's, he's much, I think, more elevated today. But basically when I was a kid, I just wanted to have an excuse to to do more stories about like, you know, swashbucklers in space and scoundrels and heists and all that stuff. And then uh, when I was in film school, coincidentally, I was really diving deep into Vertigo books. So I was reading Transmetropolitan and other stuff like that. Heard of that. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody in film school was like making like, you know, like the typical film school films, you know, like the drug deal gone wrong or whatever. And, and basically I was like, hey, all my friends, let's build a spaceship in my backyard and we'll film this Davy Proton thing. And then that's how I met Joe, was through a mutual friend. And him and I started working together on these movies and then none of them were very good. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is terrible. it possible to see these on YouTube? No, I think I've done a pretty good job of hunting <laughs> down all the copies, but you can in issue one on the blast I think it's like the last page of the comic. There's like a little Easter egg that if you scan it with your phone, you, you get to see some of that footage, but yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, and also too, some of the props ended up in the book. Like Derek was awesome. And the fact that like stuff like Davy Proton's ship, we were able to like send him like pictures of the prop and stuff. And so like, literally it's the same design, you know, like it, it, certain things kind of made it into the, into the comic, which is surreal and crazy to see. Yeah. You guys hunted down Derek. There's a video of you hunting down Derek represented by a puppet at a Comic-Con bathroom. How close to the truth are we veering here? Well, I am a Muppet. That's uh, <laughs> right now there is a hand up my backside. Making... <laughs> Great. So, uh, there was no like metaphor at play there, at least on our, on our end, Derek, I promise you. I just thought it was hilarious. I thought it was really know, funny. If you guys have any idea how deeply I love Muppets and puppeting in general, like. <laughs> 
that is my other passion. Like when I was a kid, it was, it could have gone either way, comics or puppeteering. Like if I could have gone work for Jim Henson, I would have, that would have been awesome. But uh, no, I, I just thought it was hilarious. It just was, it just felt like a lot of work <laughs> for you guys. It was like, like I've hunted down all the Space Bastards footage from like my twenties and all that, but there is like, there's two hours of Joe and I laughing hysterically in a bathroom stall with a puppet of you <laughs> from a few weeks ago. Yeah. I've only, I'm, I mean, I had a little bit of a COVID MB moment there where I'm like, man, I should have just been there to be the to be, play myself. But I don't know. Seeing myself muppetized was, was pretty special. We, we think it, would, it would be like the nightmare scenario. Like this is, this, this is the worst way Derek could have taken it. And uh, that's what we decided to, to try to depict. And, and, and thankfully he's way more, you know, even more gracious than the puppet was. <laughs> so if you, if you did not accost him in a bathroom, how did no, you approach Derek? No, Eric, Eric is a gentleman. He went, he bought me wine and talked to me over lunch a few times at San Diego. And we got to know each other a little bit. And, uh, but the puppet story is so much better. And then I got, <laughs> it is. you and yeah. I have a, 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 a mutual love for uh, good liquor. And so, uh, you know, we hit it off right away. But yeah, it was more of a matter like like Eric originally just um, approached me as a fan of the book and a mutual friend of ours introduced us and we hit it off right away. We kept seeing each other at Comic-Con and eventually Eric was like, hey, will you do covers for our book? And I was like, sure, you know, um, I'm usually up for doing a cover gig and it was fun. And then Eric came back, Eric and Joe both came back and said, we really want you to draw this. What will it take? And so they literally made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So what I'm hearing is that they didn't accost you in a bathroom stall. They accosted you in a bathroom stall with wine. <laughs> <laughs> they drove me to a bathroom stall by applying me with wine and liquor. So maybe that's more accurate. All right. That this sounds good. It is kind of crazy though. Like I think we were reflecting on another interview this week is that like, I didn't realize this, but I think I've known Derek like almost 10 years now, which it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that at all. No, that but, went fast. But it's yeah. Fast. How did you come across Derek Sauvois? Um, definitely Transmet was like the first thing that like, I've made it, I've made it like a, like a religious journey that like I reread Transmetropolitan like every three years or something. Like I, I just, I think I read that when I was like 17 years old or something. I've always been a gigantic Hunter S Thompson fan. I have like my first tattoo is a, Hunter and and um, seeing like a sci-fi Warren Ellis take on you know on that sort of Gonzo journalism thing was amazing and and then uh, and, and by no means was that it I think from there it was kind of like I I was uh, at the time I think reading Authority a lot and I know Derek did uh, I want to say an Authority issue but also a Midnighter issue which is which I yeah. really like a lot and then obviously the boys as well. I've always been a gigantic Garth Ennis fan and I kind of wandered into the boys by a preacher that way. Um, so I, I don't think it's for me, it's ever been any one thing, but definitely like the first moment I had my mind blown open was Transmetropolitan for sure. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Joe? The, uh, I mean, I've read Transmetropolitan, but I think that the, the, the one that sealed it, and this is you know, maybe a little more obscure, but that was, um, you know, some Punisher. And there, the, the one in particular, the one issue in particular is from, I think from 2002, it's uh, Aim Low. It's when uh, Punisher and Wolverine were in a sewer uh, together and they have to uh, fight a bunch of little people. And just <laughs> the, the combat and the, and the humor and just, it was just the perfect blend. And it was and just, the whole thing is absurd. 
that's what I go back to. I think I and Derek, you know, has done amazing work and amazing projects, and he'll be remembered for you know all this other stuff. But but for me, I think that is that's <laughs> fantastic. And I, I I look at that all the time. I read it. I'll Google it. And a couple of those pages will come up, and it's just it just makes me laugh. It just gives me a warm feeling to see Frank Castle with a baseball bat just just going to town. I will say too with that too, Punisher Born like there's certain image there's a lot of imagery in there yeah specifically near the end that like still sticks with me like if i'm directing space bastards in my mind when i'm writing scripts and stuff like a lot of that last quarter of the book will like come back and like kind of haunt me and weave its way into space bastards i think yeah absolutely and i mean i think you bring up a decent point uh in that space bastards feels like a return to some of the grit and nihilism that we don't see today you know, it's a little bit grungier. It's a little bit more violent. It's a little bit less uh, accommodating. It, it's brutal in a lot of ways. So how did you guys kind of come across that aesthetic? Like what inspired that? We relied a lot on, uh, you know, on Derek to kind of produce the, the look. You know, we didn't want things to be overburdened by, you know, we didn't want our sci-fi to have too many gadgets and, you know, to be too, too far ahead. We want things to be kind of run down but we didn't want it to be a Western, you know, like Serenity. And, and, and Derek just really found that, that, that sweet spot, you know, all the violence and everything to be over the top. It really wanted, you know, every time you turn the page, you see something that either makes you laugh or, or you know, makes you nauseous or surprises you. And uh, like I say, just kind of a moving target. And we kind of got in there and, and got the look just right and the feeling of it and the pacing you know, you know, maybe Crank, the movie Crank, you know, combined with, uh, you know, some whatever sci-fi we grew up with, you know, you kind of throw all that together, video game, pacing almost. Derek was really responsible for really uh, knitting it all together and, and presenting it. I got a couple of questions, actually. I mean, hi. Hey. Long time <laughs> listener, first time caller. Hi. Uh, so had you guys taken a crack at writing comics at all before you wrote issue one? I had not. Eric had. I think I grew as a writer like 10 years working on issue one, like the issue that came out today. Yeah. I've done like some independent comics before that, but like people can find them now because they're on comiXology and stuff. But I'm like hesitant for anybody mm -hmm. reading that stuff because I do think it's like night and day compared to when I started working with, with Derek and, and understanding a little bit better about like writing a script for an artist and, and thinking in terms of the page for sure. Five, five panels, man. Five panels yeah. of page. That's your golden yeah. mean. There's your golden standard. A funny coincidence happening in this conversation. I just have to bring up Mark wrote the very first story I ever drew for mainstream comics for DC. Comics. What? This is true. True story. Tell him. I did a, a, I, my very first gig in that I ever got from DC was finishing up my friend, David Williams, uh, Kid Flash story that was in the Flash TV special. It had a photo cover of the Flash when it was a television show uh, back in 1989. And DC did a special and Mark wrote a Kid Flash story that fit in that universe. And they hired me to come in and finish it up because Mark David had only gotten about five pages of the, I don't know, 20 that were due. But yeah, but that's my first DC gig ever was with Mark Wade here. And I'm, I'm not going awesome. to shine. I'm not going to shine you on. I'm sincere when I say this. I remember getting those pages, especially because we were starting to sweat, you know, because, <laughs> because the other pages were not coming in. 
and we started to get your pages in. And normally when you get pinch hit pages, they're not great. You know, they're just, they're like, they're fast. But I remember looking at those pages going, first off, who they don't suck. And secondly, they're pretty good. Hey, I, I really like you. Like you caught bits of business that I was putting in there because I'm a very visual writer and you seem to glom on really quick. So I, I think we made a good team on that one, man. Absolutely. I think in general, we've always made a good team. I want to work with you more. So yeah, same here. I've not been shy about, it. but yeah, I thought that was fun. I was looking at like first time writers, uh, Eric and Joe here. And then I'm thinking about my first beginnings. Everybody's giving me way too much praise. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, the reason, one of the reasons I asked about scripting that first issue and, and the takeaways and stuff, because it reads very, I mean, it, it's a really good read and it reads like it's been written by guys who've been at this for a while so kudos to you oh thank you yeah i read a lot of first issue scripts that are really awful by young writers but this this was really solid stuff it's fun i mean i, I that's one of the reasons that i you know ultimately wanted to draw the book was because of my camaraderie and friendship with eric and then joe after we got going and that just it was always fun to work uh, as a team and i was you know, the concept is so outrageously simple. And then, but they really did a great job of building this array of characters that I could see them doing these things. Zordak, especially like uh, Zordak yeah. is my favorite of the cast. Um, but like you said, team so, exercise, I mean, te team exercise, like you said, because that's what I didn't interrupt. I'm sorry. No, that's uh, okay. But that's, I mean, a lot of people don't, especially people who are listening to this may not realize that it's not just a matter of an art, a writer sits and writes a script in a garret somewhere and then hands it off and never looks back and has no involvement with the process. In a perfect world, I mean, sometimes that happens, but in a perfect world, you want to be working hand in hand with your artist because it's a team effort. I always say that it's, when I'm writing, I always say it's my story until such time as I hand it over to the artist, at which point it's our story. Right. And, that, and yeah, that, and that's really important. There's a lot of, I've worked with writers that are, do just disappear. And like, that, that's my least favorite yeah. work. I love sending in pages and then, you know, getting feedback. I remember you and I getting into a bit of a editorial kerfuffle because I sent art to you just to show you what I had done with an ending. I'll try not to get into specifics since this is public, but I wonder if you remember what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Change on a splash page. And it was a surprise to you that, editorial it changed your splash page without running that by you first and i unfortunately put my foot in it by going hey mark what do you think i like the other one better and yeah the codicil to what i just said about a team effort is that unfortunately at and this is not so much back you know now as today but back in the day the companies would do as much as they possibly could to keep us from talking to each other for whatever yeah. reason i don't understand yeah so indie comics, yay. We get to do what we want to do and we get to all talk. Yeah, exactly. I will say too, like on the humanoid side, that's one of the things that's been just amazing for me personally. It's just like Rob, you know, on, on um, editorial and then like everybody, everybody on every step of the humanoids kind of production line here or whatever, it's just been really collaborative and really great, you know. It's been wonderful to see just the updates and the promotion and, you know, it's, it's, and uh, Joe was, wrote me earlier today and he asked me like, Hey, he said, I'm new this first time at the rodeo here. Is it normal to this kind of rollout for a first issue? And I'm, I need to tell you, no, it's, no. Uh, it's been remarkable to see the response to the book. Cause I'm happy that a lot of times when I put something out, it gets some attention, but I think that has a lot to do with, stuff I've done in the past, not necessarily because I'm me, but um, 
in this case, there seems to be a genuine love for what we're doing and an excitement for it, which we didn't anticipate. There really is. I mean, again, we publish such a wide range of stuff at Humanoids from the life-drawn, you know, biography stuff to the crazy science fiction stuff and all over the map. And so any given, we all, we all think that everything we're doing is quality. Like nobody, there's no book that we have that anybody thinks is a clinker, but still with that wide range and with our staff, you know, you tend to gravitate toward uh, more than, you know, I like this one more. This is my favorite. But this is one book that we're all like, everybody's excited about this book on this. And I'm not just saying that this is absolutely God's honest truth from oh, thank you, Pedro Hernandez, who was our sales manager and, and Harley, his assistant, Rob Levin, the, the editor working on it. I mean, everybody give, and David Hyde, yeah. the publicist guy who's making sure you're in goddamn Hollywood reporter. I mean, <laughs> he's going above and beyond, too. So everybody really wants this thing to succeed how many billboards have you had before huh huh <laughs> wait there's a billboard yeah, billboards. Wait, wait, I, yeah. why, why have i not seen the billboard oh uh, we'll show you guys some pictures of billboards we have billboards in two different places digital billboards showing off space where, where, yeah get it where are the pictures? Yeah. <laughs> i don't live in california even though i program these but i will send you the map oh that's oh, awesome cool. if there's any way to get photos of them i'd love to see them it would be so cool to share that on facebook with like yeah, that would be amazing if you have that. I don't, I don't know if you guys have heard, but I'm associated with this uh, little TV show called The Boys. And um, I don't know if you've heard of it. Little thing. It, it's, uh, but the coolest thing that came out was when they were promoting the show was seeing the billboards. Like yeah. I, the billboard for the show over the Trevi Fountain in Rome was like. Yeah, that's so awesome. I love that. that. That for me is like, I don't know. It just gives me, because there was a time when, I was just dreaming of breaking into comics. And yeah. that part of me is still very much a part of my psyche. <laughs> so things like billboards of my stuff still make me go, wow, look at that. Yeah, fat pay <laughs> and fat paychecks are good and fun, but there's more to it than that. Like it's just that yeah. seeing your imagery on a giant billboard somewhere, or seeing it in a magazine, or seeing it on a, or like walking down the street. I'm sure you've I'm sure this happened to you. At some point you've been walking around a convention or something and somebody's wearing a t-shirt with a, something you drew on it. Yeah, it's nuts. That's just, that's what a great feeling. My favorite Comic-Con moment was, uh, I had a friend who was a photographer uh, with me and he was taking pictures of the convention and he found a Spider Jerusalem cosplayer. Yeah. And, uh, he was like totally in character and given a lot of attitude. And uh, my friend like, hey, can you, uh, will you take a picture of my friend here? Pointing to me. And these guys like, yeah, okay. And he's like, you know, and I'm like, hey, it's a, it's good. You did a good job. That's a good costume. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Fuck you. you know? <laughs> and, then, and then my friend goes, hey, look at his tag. And the guy went from being like super tough spider. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, hey. <laughs> his voice went up to the octaves. And he was suddenly like, like not cool. Yeah. <laughs> and that was really fun. That's great. Uh, so I got to say, Mark was very, very um, poetic in his description of our passion. I know I was attracted to your comic when I saw a hand going into a blender. It, <laughs> it was the sheer degree of excessive hilarity slash cringeworthiness that just grabbed me. So I, I got to ask you guys, what was the line? Was there anything that was just too much to put into Space Bastards? Oh, I, I, I've got it, actually. If you want, Eric, can I, t can I share this story? I don't know what story you're going to share. The one about the other artist with the, um, when, the, when, the when the characters are fantasizing about Sharptoberfest and what they might do. 
we have one guy we wanted to, I got a note back from the, this other artist and, and the artist says, I'm sorry, gentlemen, I, and there's a time difference. He sends this in the middle of the night. He's like, I'm sorry, gentlemen, I, I don't think I can render someone uh, snorting cocaine off of a newborn baby. <laughs> but what I've replaced it with instead, and he had a solution. What I replaced it with instead, the space bastard snorting cocaine off of a prostitute's bottom while another prostitute wearing a strap on penetrates him from behind in a hot tub. And we thought, perfect, that's, that's no. fine. Perfect solution. Yeah. Unsolicited, like undirected, wasn't in the, like that's, I think that's a little bit, yeah, it's way more gratuitous, I think. Uh, yeah. More gratuitous, but uh, that, that's what I like. He, he solved the problem. Yeah, he did. <laughs> so you guys have this planned out pretty tightly into the future. What's the overall roadmap look like? We do have an ending in our minds, um, but we hope that that ending comes many, many, many years down the road. I mean, that's, sure. that's kind of our thing is that Joe and myself truly do love writing Space Bastards. And, and for us, we're hoping that there's enough of a fan base out there that continually buys it and everything to where we can afford to keep making it and keep doing that, you know, because... There's, yeah, there's volumes and volumes of stories that we have that we would love to get out there for sure. Do you have any, you guys have any set rules between, between you two as writers about, about the universe or about the characters and like anything that's like carved in stone that, or is everything up for grabs? No, I think there is some, but I, I think it's, it's kind of weird. Like it's, I think there's kind of like a, some of it's like unspoken, like some of it's just stuff that we kind of both feel out or kind of know like, oh yeah, this goes this goes too far that way or this may be uh, believe it or not I, I i will say is that like as shocking as the book is or some of the scenes and some of the violence and stuff like that like one of the things that i think does come up that joe and i kind of like touch base on is like hey do we have enough character stuff in this issue or do we feel like this is maybe this particular scene is us going out of our way for for, for a gag versus something that's actually driving the you know the, the characters along or the plot along um there's a lot of that stuff i i think in terms of that like that ruling there i think we're we're pretty firmed up on in terms of kind of what makes a space bastard story a space bastard story and what might be not us i guess you know yeah what's the process between you two because i know from lots of experience that co-writing with somebody doesn't mean half the work it does it just doesn't mean that it means more than half the work so how does that like what's the process between you guys i think it's actually with joe and i i think it is half and half pretty much i mean it's a, it's a really good question i think we, we do have kind of a process. We try to outline an entire year at a time, like a, like a TV season. Mm -hmm. And we're really big out outliners. We're like a 44, that 44 page first issue, for example, I think the outline for that, I want to say is like 12 pages long or something wow. like it's super detailed. And that kind of, I think also kind of maybe comes from a little bit of my writing background as well, where I just kind of like, I don't like, I talked once with John Wagner and John Wagner actually told me that he, he works the exact opposite. He likes, discovering things when he's writing yeah. i'm not like i, I don't want to find out in the third act that like oh no i don't have a good third act like yeah. we, we try to figure that out early on so we try to do that for the whole we try to do that like a year at a time and then dive deeper and dive deeper and dive deeper um and joe and i kind of volley back and forth on all that you know i mean we, we're just really big on like an issue is not an issue until we're getting a reaction out of each other so the back and forth is that is that mostly phone calls is that mostly on paper when well, on paper you know i said but is that mostly typing or what is that it's email back and forth usually uh, sometimes or, or really lengthy texts in the middle of the night and then yeah. when, when we're when we're button heads a little bit we'll, we'll call 
And it's funny, the phone call, uh, or when it's even worse than that, we'll meet in person and we, can, and we can usually like really hash it out very quickly in person. We'll think of something completely different and, uh, and really iron it out. So we kind of have these different uh, levels of threat. And, and when, it's, when, it's, when it's dire, we'll actually meet each other face to face. But usually it's resolved just by going back and forth in emails. And you know, we just try to make each other laugh and just try to refine and, and it, it just, it just you know, develops, it's nice. Joe and I will like act stuff out a lot too, I've realized, which I always think is funny. It's like, that will always make us, I think kind of like one of us will do our impression of Leroy or, or, or Davey or whoever and, and kind of reenact like the joke or the scene or whatever and, and see if it gets a reaction out of the other person. That's cool. What do you, so when it comes time to committing it to script, again, equal typing or is one of you doing more of the typing? It's pretty equal. I mean, we'll just, one of us will take a crack at it. It's, it's um, you know, and, and just get something down. And, and it's, it's, what's nice is we've, we've gotten to a point where, you know, we can just type stuff and read it and nobody gets butt hurt if it's, if it doesn't read well or whatever, but it's, once you have just something down and that kind of adheres to the outline we've already kind of talked about, then we can kind of start chiseling away at it. It, it depends on the story too. Some of the stories are, are kind of more closely held by one or the other of us. I mean, there's, there's a couple of issues that, Eric did most of the typing on. There's a couple of issues where I've done more of the typing on, but but I mean the input is pretty equal. And you know, and that's not to say that the artists don't have uh, you know a lot of input. Even the guys that are um, you know uh, you know work for higher guys have, right. have you know have, have weighed in. But Derek, uh, you know, on issue one and all the way through, all his uh, you know would, would come in and just say, I think we need to tell us different, or we need more pages, or you know that's so valuable you know for us and it's valuable for us as we're planning out other issues and and you know we'll remind each other of that when we're writing something subsequently there's two issues in particular that and i won't say which because i don't want to spoil stuff but there's like two issues in particular where derek literally like like it's so much better on the page than it is how how he typed it just because he fixed a lot of scene breaks there's just a lot of like transition stuff that like for two issues that are pretty chock full of multiple sequences of action happening simultaneously kind of made all that stuff really flow together and, and everything as well so yeah. there's like little things that's the things where i would realize that they were thinking in a screenplay format and they weren't really thinking about the economy of like where you end a page and where you turn a page that's something like mark you and i think about a lot you know yeah. thinking comics i could see that they were really enraptured with what was making the story flow and what they wanted to get across but like where it was going to land would spoil gags and you know like sometimes you got to be prepared to turn the page and get a big reveal things like that and i could see where they were going and i'd go back and make those suggestions and like i said that was always the most fun because like they're being right now like they were just always gracious for the suggestions and we all kind of came together as a team really well in that regard yeah eric and joe you guys are really easy to work with so thanks for that oh thanks okay thank you if I can do one follow-up from the previous question about the roadmap, uh, the one thing I love about this first issue is I feel like any of these mercenaries could carry their own series. At any given time, you could do an aside and just say, Manicorn, where'd this guy come from? Even David. But there's one scene where like Manicorn is fighting just this host of other mercenaries, other, uh, other parcel carriers, and there's like a tentacle. I was thinking, I kind of want to know who the dude with the tentacle is. That could be its own miniseries. Well, that's one of the things that I liked about the world is because that's just something I threw in. I don't think that was something that was asked for. I think the way it was described, it was a melee, but 
when I first took on the book and looked at it, like they were all human characters. And I really wanted to say, no, let's have like, let's have them all be aliens in different or bring in more aliens because I wanted that anything goes aspect uh, when I was drawing it and they were amenable to it. So like Manicorn became the Manicorn you see in, the, in our issue, uh, in our run. And, but I also like the fact that, yeah, any of these people, cause Zordak sort of laid the groundwork for where it could go. Cause he was such a strange fun character to kind of like to work with that I was, it had me thinking like, well, what other, sorry, what other postal carriers would they be all be, you know, they wouldn't all be humanoids. They would, you know, there would be people with tentacles or it could be anywhere. Cause we're talking about a galaxy of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, packages across. So. Yeah. So, so let me ask you guys, what's your favorite mercenary that we might not have seen yet? Can you guys give us a hint at uh, who you're really gravitating towards? I have an answer, but I'm going last. Go ahead. Favorite mercenary that we haven't seen yet. I would say Kalto, I think, out of the ones we haven't seen yet. Yeah. Kalto Framus. What do you, what do you like about him? I think his story is really relatable. Um, <laughs> sounds terrible. I'm 38 years old, but I'm like, I'm like, he's an old sea, you know, he's an old sea dog. Feels like he missed his uh, his mother. I'm getting closer to 40, so I'm dealing with that, you know, like in some respects now. Even though I'm, I think I'm the youngest person in the room, maybe. Oh, oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, how sad. But no, I'm, I'm saying at 38, I feel like I'm. It's game over, man. You know, and so yeah, like his his. his get ready to get your ass kicked. I know, I know. But yeah, his backstory just it's it's, the glory it's, days. I hate to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no Kalto for me. I, I just like the old man of the sea thing and all that. So, Joe, what about you? I like I like Kalto quite a bit, but I I, I think um, I think Leroy Leroy Palestine, who you do glimpse in the uh, in the first issue, but uh, he's you know, the most bitter and uh, dissatisfied of all all the uh, characters. He, he's a, he's an ex real estate agent, and he's you, you just can't figure out what makes him tick. And then we we kind of come back to him later in the in the, in the series and it, it begins to make more sense but i i just like having that type of character in there who's who's happy with what he's doing but but unhappy so so miserable <laughs> at the same time he's a lot of fun i know leroy in, in real life in a way yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and my answer and then go the sight unseen because i don't know what you guys are up to but i asked so little of you and i really think that muppet Derek. I see, I see a role up at Derek in your universe. I really do. That's good. He's, he's going to be making some appearances. I mean, he's going to be going. To, he's going to be at the table with us. He's going to be. I mean, he's going to, he's going to be traveling. Yeah. He's going to have his own Twitter. He's going to. He's going to be. Yeah. He's going to be everywhere. We were moving a bunch of books around and stuff like at Joe's office, and then <laughs> Derek's the the puppet's just like sitting there, and like on breaks, and just be like looking over, and it felt. And meanwhile, like you know. I didn't, we didn't tell Derek about the puppet at that time. And Derek's texting me and I, and I felt in my brain, I was like, I just spent all weekend with this guy. I don't know. It's weird. He's that's texting how, me now. Like, that's how empty a personality I am. They wrote me ahead of time. They wrote me ahead of time and said, is he going to be okay with this? We don't know. We're sweating it. I, I, thought, I thought you'd do it. I thought you'd be for go, go for it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's flattering. <laughs> like I said, if you knew how much I loved the Muppets growing up, you know, it was, it was, it was so funny. I just, I, I didn't, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. 
the guys that built that puppet were, were reluctant to give it up. Like after they had built it, they they hung on to it and played with it and took a bunch of pictures. And they were like, we, we really hate to let, let this little guy go. They didn't know, I gave them photo references. They didn't know who you were. And I, I lied and told them it was it was your birthday and I was gonna give it to you for your birthday in November, you know, to get them to hurry. And they're like, ah, you know, they wanted to put it on the website and do a bunch of stuff. I'm like, no, I really need to keep the puppet on the down low. I had to almost post bail to get that puppet out here. To <laughs> they were busy taking pictures of it, snorting coke off a newborn baby. Oh, newborn babies. Like, they were putting all these different clothes on it and everything. I mean, <laughs> they had all this whole wardrobe and it was crazy. Did you see the tattoo there? I don't know if it's, it's like only there for like a half a second, but the Spider Jerusalem tattoo? Yes, I thought that was hilarious. Like, <laughs> why don't you ask if I really have that tattoo? I think like Joe was asking me that. Sean, like, I think he asked, was, it, was that you, Sean? Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, I think that wraps up any questions I have. Mark, did you have anything else you wanted to ask? I think we've covered an awful lot. Yeah, there's a lot to cover with your book. I didn't get to say who my favorite mercenary is. Derek, we are so sorry. I figured and assumed it was the tentacled alien who we just see a glimpse of. No, it's Zordak. But please, of course it's Zordak. What do you like about him? Uh, that he is the most unassuming of the bunch and the most capable. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I also I, love I, that. I that's love it. Yeah. Puppet me had to say. <laughs> 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 this book <laughs> doesn't have an alien with a mouth like a butthole. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> that's gold. I'm sorry. Guys... We're not afraid, Derek. You know, you're, that's the problem. Man. <laughs> that's, what, that's what made creating with you guys so much fun. It was good. Uh, we do have to ask, how much did alcohol fuel the creative process? Because, Joe, you made an amazing cocktail guide to accommodate reading Space Bastards. Thank you. It was uh, it was it was instrumental. I mean, if I can say this, um, I mean the, the the deal was signed over a bottle of Lafroy that we we all drank together and finished in an afternoon. Many of the artists, the letterers, uh, I, I sent them all you know bottles of whiskey or, or bourbon or rum, kind of depending on what I what I thought they would like. I, I pulled them. We had, we had one guy who knew a lot about Scotch and you know helped me learn a lot more about uh, Scotch whiskey and. Um, I, I've sent him a Bacanora and a, and a tequila, and I've sent him uh, I've sent him some scotch as well. And you know, so so alcohol's been a, been part of the currency and the reward and the um, you know part of the fabric of this. Yeah, there's certain stories that are more alcohol fueled than others. I'll say that for sure. Yeah. What's the most alcohol fueled story? Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's <like> easy. <laughs> I know it's I know it's like off the roadmap you know it's like a way in the future but i will say when we get to that point yeah the thing with chuck that was funny it was like i had to outline every embarrassing drunken moment i've ever had in an email to joe so that way we could like have like a baseline or a foundation to kind of like all right let's not do that let's make it way crazier hyperbolize yeah 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 and and uh, that was painful and <laughs> 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 Maybe drink less for a bottle. That's our that's our demon in a bottle, man. That's what yeah. keeps on Eric. I mean, that's that's it. Uh, yeah, the Chuck stories are demon in a bottle in a bottle for sure. Yeah. Got it. Well, if I can just say, head on over to humanoids.com to check out the full cocktail guide. It will also be in various issues and the trade paperback as well. So definitely a nice way to complement the reading experience. But gentlemen, can't thank you enough. Eric Peterson, Joe Aubrey, and Derek Robertson, the team behind Space Bastards, thank you. 
Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, guys. And, and obviously, Mark, thank you as well. Okay. I'm just here for the ride. But I know you guys are great. <laughs> Thanks. It was great to see you, Mark, even electronically. Even electronically. Likewise, sir. Hey guys, great to see you in, in person, Derek. There. Everybody, thank you so very much for listening to the latest episode of Human Noise. That was Eric Peterson, Joe Aubrey, and Derek Robertson. Stay tuned, and we'll have a new episode right around the corner.